This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, I'm Jay Richmond. I'm the head of managed travel for Amadeus in North America. And what I love about travel is that it allows me to create cultural connections around the world. The people, how they work, what they eat, how they find comfort, whether it's business travel or leisure, that's the part of travel that I love. Hi, I'm Carrie Zile. I'm the head of Amadeus for Startups Globally. And what I love about travel is the experiences, obviously, but also the unexpected experiences. One story in particular that really just had me so happy was turning a, a really bad situation into a really great one as well, was we were stranded in New York, actually after the Voyager HQ event, and no hotels were available, and I had the opportunity to stay at the TWA Hotel. That was so special, and it brought me back. My father worked for TWA. It was super nostalgic, and it was just something that popped up completely unexpected and made a bad situation great, and um, those things happen all the time in travel, and I just want to continue to experience those. So I don't ever plan on leaving the industry. <laughs> As the global travel industry continues to advance its technology infrastructure to meet the needs of modern travelers, new challenges make way for the need for new solutions. Coming up, you'll hear from two leading travel industry experts on how to distinguish between disrupting the industry and just conforming to new technologies. From how to manage travel content at scale to how NDC will impact aspects of the travel industry beyond airlines. It's a deep dive into what's coming up on the horizon and how to nurture innovation from within a global enterprise travel brand. You're listening to Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the travel and hospitality industry. Hi, Jay. Hi, Carrie. Thank hey. you for coming Hello. on the show today. Thanks for having us, yeah. Yeah. You're in New York here for a couple conferences, or all at once? Two different There's events. two different, different ones. Right. Mm -hmm. right, which is Skift and Beat. Exactly. Right? Beat Live. The Beat Live. Yeah. Did I just, I just did something like sacrilegious, and I called it Beat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's awesome. Are they going well, I assume? Yeah, they finished this afternoon. So, yeah, Skift was really interesting this year, so... Always I was is lucky. good content. We were lucky enough that we were we were named the most admired technology company at the Beat Live. So big props to us for that. That's awesome. Um, but it's it's a great venue to talk about strategic issues in business travel specifically, both globally and in North America. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. The accolades are well received, I'm sure. All right. Well, we were gonna talk a little bit about content accessibility. And this is something that, you know, just me personally at Voyager gets to see a lot, and I'm sure you guys see a lot in terms of the content that's being distributed through Amadeus's live travel space. But maybe we get on a base level and talk a little bit first about NDC. What is NDC, and why do you think it's so important to all distribution across the industry? It's a complex topic, and it's one that's consumed a lot of conversation at meetings and events in this industry over the last couple of years. Right. And maybe the best way to think about NDC is to, to think about an analogy to, to things that you deal with every day, right? So today, if you walk into a typical grocery store and you go down an aisle of product, you would see 
perhaps dozens of products competing for your attention. They're on different shelves. They, they have their pricing. They've got their unit price. So you can walk down and you can comparison shop and make a decision. What NDC does is it says that's a very impersonal way for us to offer a product to a potential customer. And NDC creates a framework, uh, a language, in order for the supplier, in this case airlines, to know something about who's shopping and what they're shopping for, and to incorporate that into what they want to offer and the price they want to offer it at to the traveler. So imagine now you go down, down the shelf and it's empty. There are no prices, there's no product. And it's not until you say, you know, I'm looking for coffee. I'd like it to be grown, let's say, in Central America. I'd like it to be a sustainable farm. And by the way, this is my name and this is where I live. This is how often I shop for coffee. And at that moment, now the product, the shelves are filled with product that has those attributes, maybe has some more based on what the coffee supplier knows about you, and now you have price points. And the next person that goes down the aisle to shop for coffee, they may see completely different product and completely different price points. And so that's a wonderful analogy, by the way. Um, so Thanks. for NDC is the new distribution capability. Correct. So for anyone who's not familiar with that, but what I'd be curious about is in the same analogy, if you have only one option that comes to you based on your existing preferences, are you then blind to what your other options could look like? Depending on how you solve aggregating all of these options together, you could be. And I mm -hmm. think when when you're talking to, to agencies that are looking to ensure that they've reassembled fragmented content, they want to know that they're not seeing the offer only from a single supplier, but that they're using a platform or a system that's going to have that NDC conversation with every supplier who might have something to offer based on your search parameters, and then present them in a way that could be compared and evaluated and then a decision made. And this is true regardless of whether, whether the person is shopping for vacation for their family, whether they're going on a business trip, whatever the use case may be for the trip. Mm. So yeah, I mean, that's basically how all online travel starts, right? And if I'm a distributor, I put in my search criteria, and I generally kind of start to see options. And so this is basically a faster version of how to well create I, visibility I, around that or I wouldn't say it's 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 a more per it's supposed to be a, a more, more personal and curated. Right. I think I right. think there you make some assumptions though in, in what you said in that it really matters where you go to do your search because right. you don't know necessarily what that software solution is connecting to. Correct. Mm -hmm. What is the total environment or landscape of content that they are are Built going on. into to bring right. back and then aggregate, right? And so I think uh, that's one of the challenges for tech companies is to really understand, is this scalable? Is this, uh, have a, does it have access to everything that exists today and that may exist that conforms to the NDC standard? Because what you don't want to do when you're starting out and thinking about solving the content issue is you don't want to constrain yourself in the future, right? Mm. You don't want to be chasing disruption and find yourself conforming. Mm. Right. That's interesting. When you're chasing disruption, but you're inevitably just conforming, does that mean, say I'm a distributor and now I know that I need to be more personalized through my search criteria 
am I just bogging up my initial user acquisition strategy to try to gain that knowledge to provide more personalized content when something else is happening in the industry? Is that basically what you're describing? What do you think, Carrie? Yeah, I think it's an interesting way to phrase it. I think I look at it from the perspective of, yeah, you don't want to lock yourself into something. It might be what's disruptive. It might be what's mandated. It's an option. Mm. And it will be an option. So don't lock yourself out of the other options. And that's something that we we facilitate. That's what, what we can do. It's something that we would not want somebody to overlook right. when they are leveraging our technology or yeah. any technology. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you have that all available to you. Uh, and in D.C., yeah, it's very specific. It's kind of, you know, the order and the fulfillment, and it's just very specific yet personalized. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think, you know, one of the one of the things that if people aren't familiar with kind of NDC and what it means is it's everybody that's been on the internet, you know, you know HTML is the under the hypertext markup language that drives the mm-hmm. web pages you go to, right? Mm-hmm. You can go to a website that's pure text and then you can go to uh, an e-commerce site like an Amazon or someone else that's got all kinds of dynamic capabilities. Same framework, HTML. Yeah. And so if you think about NDC, you have the same potential disparity right. in how a supplier is leveraging that framework. There's no guarantee that everybody's going to do the same thing and have the same power. And and I think what you don't want to do is you don't want to make decisions for expediency or cost savings sake that limit your ability yeah. to use the Amazon use case of NDC in the future, or it could even be something driven by regional differences, right? You certainly wouldn't want to build an app today that doesn't have the capability for globalization and localization. But if you're making decisions, even in the NDC environment, that inhibits your ability to then acquire customers outside of the U.S. in Canada, mm-hmm. what do you do? Do you really get to backtrack now and deal with that technology debt? Right. It's interesting. So um, NDC is essentially XML, right? It's it's just like uh, an XML format for a standard that IATA initially was trying to roll out, what, like 10 years ago or something yes, like that? Yes, it's been, it's been a long road. It's been a while. <laughs> it's, but to be fair, it is, it is, there are lots of stakeholders yes. and there's lots of right. complexity. Yes, right. exactly. So, Well, it's massive mm-hmm. for... But a global, know, but a global mandate. Yep, yep. Right. And so the, uh, it, it seems like you know, if I think about like programming languages or frameworks that are available, it's a similar kind of concept like building on Reactor, you know, suddenly switching your whole team to working on Elixir or something like that is inevitably trying to build on the system that will give you the best processes for what your product's supposed to be serving, right, or the infrastructure. Right. Mm-hmm. And so wouldn't it be natural that everybody should try to switch to XML if that's what the distribution's most recent opportunity is? And where is the next opportunity? I know I'm kind of going even a little bit further here, but it's interesting. It's kind of amazing even that Amadeus has been able to so quickly intake, all right, we got it. We got an NDC thing going on right now. And I'd love to hear about what the thinking is in terms of the live travel space and implementing NDC and then further technologies through it. I know it's like kind of a big question, but do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. So... Amadeus was in the fortunate position of already starting to aggregate disparate sourced content, right? right. We already were looking at, as a very technical term, edifact data from airlines. It's kind of the old, the old way and the current way 
that they file fares and and you can yep. do pricing. Still out there. Yep, still there, <laughs> and it's gonna it's gonna exist for some time. Yeah. And we had added in the ability to bring content into this same platform that was acquired via API. NDC for us is just another conduit mm -hmm. to bring offerings, fairings, and inventory from from airlines into the platform. And the hard part is everybody I'm sure is very familiar with is how do you normalize that data? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you make it comparable? How do you truly normalize it? And then how do you orchestrate access to the data and the different workflows that may be required? Because what you don't want to do as as our customer or anybody's customer solving this problem is you don't want to to have the burden you know, from overhead of having to orchestrate and manage, you want that platform to give you the configuration options, right? You want to spend your capital on differentiation, not on rebuilding this solution that Amadeus has already delivered. Yeah. I'd be curious, if I'm a travel tech startup, for mm -hmm. example, and I'm trying to build an online travel business in some capacity. It could be an interesting new user acquisition strategy. It could be, you know, how we're packaging that content. And again, we're, we're talking about travel content, of course, flights, hotels, things of that nature. How does NDC make this more fragmented? And why would I ever try to build on any of this stuff as opposed to just working with Amadeus? Does that make sense? Like, what does Amadeus do that, that makes this more accessible and... How come I'm not just going to every airline and saying I'm going to plug in your NDC? <laughs> so Amadeus Travel Platform is basically, I mean, you're talking about all the different types of content, the travel content that right. we receive from suppliers that we manage, that we have in one place, that we have multiple ways to access. So we're just speaking about, you know, the Edifact is the old way with air, and then we move to APIs, and this is another NDC being another conduit. We have multiple ways. If you're coming into a platform and it's being managed or orchestrated kind of holistically, and if you need to connect in a certain way to get to that, you can. If you want to have an NDC connection conduit plus an agency conduit plus something much more, I'm just going to say it, archaic like Edifact, you, we, you can do that. Yeah. And you don't have to go to multiple places to get the content. We manage it. We have different connections, a variety of connections for everyone at any time they want to come in. And it's it's managed in that way. And we're building upon that. So anything new that comes in is accessible in the same way. I'll open the kimono a little bit on what drives cost and complexity to say, I'll just do it myself. Right. Right. So if you think about the fact that the framework sets out a path of what's possible, but each participant can kind of decide how they want to do it. You know, the text-based web page versus the, the highly dynamic and, and, and logic-driven web page. There might be only 20% of reusable code between different NDC connections. So it's not just the startup cost of building that connection, but it's how many airlines do you need to connect to? Right. A dozen? They're over four hundred. Product mean, manager per connection. You basically. don't right. want to do that and, one by one, so that's that's managed. And they're evolving. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they have different workflows around how you then pay for the ticket, yeah. do the ticketing, do the servicing, et cetera, on the reservation. And then on top of that, you have got the ongoing evolution against that framework. So it's not a maintenance cost an ongoing evolution cost involved as well. And then you're at the mercy of 
the response times of the individual participants. So someone does a search, we know you want that answer back in milliseconds, ideally, from the whole plethora of content that could be applied. If you now are managing individual connections, you are responsible for the latency driven by any of those systems, whereas Amadeus exists to help solve that problem. Yeah. Mm. So we've got incredible caching algorithms and other ways of ensuring that we minimize response time, even though a downstream partner, it could be a bit slow in their response to us. Yeah. And then you have the connection to us and you have access to all of right. that. Right. You manage that one connection to us, yeah. and we take responsibility for everything downstream. Yeah. And that's with airlines, hotel Hotels, suppliers, car, car, you know, transfers, different types of content. So if I'm if I'm a startup, it, it, the one thing that is, I guess, a question is, uh, does that become a single source of failure as well? Like, how often is downtime for Amadeus for distributors or anything like that? Never. <laughs> it's, it pretty is. much never. I mean, that you're laughing, but pretty much never. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's our core business, right. and it's you know we are not only the distributors in this Amadeus travel platform. We also are technology stacks for the airline industry and right. the hospitality industry mm-hmm. and the airport operations industry. So there's there's a really vested interest in making sure that we don't have downtime because it affects the suppliers. At peak, we're doing over 50, 60,000 transactions a second. Yeah. And this would be true of others in our situation. Our systems are built for the stability, the scalability, yeah. the global reach and, and, and footprint and re- eliminating latency driven by kind of a single data center somewhere in the world. That's, that's our business. So that's one of the other advantages you get with Amadeus is we have the security, the stability, and the scalability already baked into how we operate and what we do. And so certainly you could look at a scenario and say, for expediency's sake, I'm going to go ahead and do this one connection myself. That can happen. We've seen that happen in, yeah. in our space. And in the managed travel space, almost everybody that's done that has come back and said, that is way too expensive, <laughs> way too complex. Right. And I, even though it might give me a, a first mover capability for you know, a few weeks or a few months, there's no ROI. I can't do it. Yeah, and there's there's often times that that I've seen working with startups where they may they may have some partners already, whether it's affiliate program. There's some other content that they have been using, and we'll they'll come in. We'll help them. It'll be complimentary content from us. But then they realize, oh, I'm managing too. Everything's being handled over here. It's really seamless to me. It's quick. It's fast. I have this one connection, and there's actually overlap in the content. I, I don't need this other partner. Yeah. This seems a lot more easy for me to get up and running and do the things I need to do and focus on what they need to do, building yeah. their business, understanding if it's resonating with whoever their customer is, and then obviously planning for their for their growth. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd love to talk a little bit more about the startup onboarding process, but before we do, we're going to take a little break. Coming up, you'll hear how NDC impacts the rest of the travel industry, from hotels, tours and activities, and all the amenities therein. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at travelisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Hello. Hello. Yeah, guys. So we've talked a bunch about NDC, and we've talked a bunch about kind of 
how it's impacting, say, the aviation space. But I'd be curious how you think NDC is going to impact other aspects of the travel industry. How are hotels moving to a similar level of transparency, or are they? How does this impact travelers across the rest of their experience? You know, it, it's somewhat of a roadmap for where other what others might be able to do. And, you know, you have to remember, underlying all of this is technology and platforms of airlines and hoteliers and car rental companies. It's quite old. And it's quite costly to think about a complete process reengineering around around that architecture. So mm-hmm. this is the enabler, I think, the the airline's approach to NDC. And I think I think hotels now are taking that dive into new platforms that will allow them to do similar things, right? They'll they'll think about how they can better provide content to travelers, how they can better make themselves show up in search based on what the travelers want. And we're hearing currently about attribute-based shopping coming out of the hotel space. And that's kind of maybe their their first NDC-like approach to changing how they merchandise and market and, and respond to shopping requests from travelers. Is that like when I shop on like Airbnb and I see you know, I want to go and stay in a place that has hiking nearby. And like, I put that as one of my interests. Is that something that only a distributor is going to be able to do? Or is that something that's totally down into attribute, attribution based shopping? So that's, it's a very good question. I think the the first stage of this is more around the specific facilities and amenities that, that hotels offer. So being able to say that we offer certain types of expose it, right? Which right. necessarily hasn't been done, right? Today it's way. like all free text, and someone's got to parse that yeah. and do something useful with it. And this says, no, no, we need a standard for all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think that the differentiation option is what you just described: is to say, how do I align what I'm searching for in a hotel? with activities or interests that I have while I'm on the trip, right? Because I may not know the neighborhood. We've seen these searches, right? What neighborhood do you want to say? I don't know the neighborhoods in San Francisco, right? right? Notting Hill, is that one? Oh, that's London. I don't know. But, you know, there's something there, Knob Hill. But if I could say, this is something I want to do, let let, let the, the technology company make those connections for me. And even better, why don't you infer what I want to do based on what I'm doing in my life that I'm exposing in social media because I overshare. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what you like. Right. And and recommend a property near where I what I want to do. Right. Not, right. you know, oh, trying to figure out the neighborhood and then figure out where you want to go to do the activity you want to do and then you have no idea right. how to pull so, all that together. As travelers, we do a lot of connecting the dots on our own. And yes. to me, that's the opportunity. Yeah. Please automate. And that's not the connect- fun experience. Right. No, right. You want to automate that connecting of those dots that I struggle with, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, do you think that's what most distributors are going to move to? Like that's kind of I think, you know, the tourism activity space is heating up so much. So, are all the, you know, major OTAs going to just pick up a bunch of tourism activities aggregators, get to know the the neighborhoods well enough and then personalize the content that's already been Attribution based. I think a lot of that's happening. Yeah, I guess. So, so. Is it I happening mean, I, well? I don't think it's happening well, but I, I, the con the content <laughs> is there. It's right. it's what the technology is not yet to enable right. it. But you do see out there on different sites or sell resellers or distributors any anywhere that the the information's there in one maybe not in a standardized way, but there are companies that are actually normalizing that and making it more easily accessible and identifiable 
in a standard fashion. So, I mean, there's work going on around that and you, in the hotel space in particular. You know, there's a lot of old technology, as you said, mm. and, and the free text has been a, a problem. And in working with startups, they're just amazed when they take a look at, like, why can't I do that? Why can't right. I go and get all that information in one swoop? Because that's what I want. I want that particular room rate. I want to know what amenities are available. And they can't. They have to go through all the, the text. And so normalizing that's a big business at the moment to try mm-hmm. to figure that out. But I think more importantly, the hoteliers, they know. And they're trying to work on this. And they're trying to bring technology up to speed and work with technology providers that actually perhaps could do it for them. So that that is happening to be able to expose that, to be able to allow us as travelers to search for exactly what we want and then they can service. I think also it's very interesting to just look at what they're doing on their own outside of technology and kind of listening to customers and what they want and creating brands and property and experiential stays for people Mm. that are geared towards personalization. I mean, and they're opening up lots of interesting ways that they are generating more revenue through promoting the right thing at the right place at the right time. I think it's really interesting to look at it from that perspective too. And that's going to validate that they need to do it back further into their technology stacks, which is going to facilitate it and make it easier and allow Mm. them to grow. And I think that that NDC, NDC approach, right, in the hotel space, it's going to create new levels of trust and yeah. and authenticity in the content, which today I think there's a little bit of a struggle because it's text-based, it's being parsed, there aren't some standards, and it's not clear when you're, as a, as a traveler, as a consumer, you're trying to figure out, am I really comparing this to that, or is this apples to oranges? And as we enforce these kind of standards, I think and hope it'll give the tech company the ability to be more of a trusted source of aggregated content. And here's the cost, here's the experience, here's the decision you can make. Yeah. So then that's that's interesting because then, I mean, from a distributor perspective, mm-hmm. it's really, really important to differentiate like because it's not about the price comparisons. I also wonder in terms of getting NDC as a standard across the airline industry, there's only so many airlines comparatively to the number of hotels out there. So getting that on a standard, is that an initiative that Amadeus is pushing forward? Or is there another kind of player that's going to try to, you know, make this attribution, attribution, I can't say that word, (laughs) attribution-based shopping. (laughs) You know, we're fortunate in that we have a very broad and deep footprint in the ecosystem, right? We are... We, we are a lot of the fabric of the ecosystem. So we provide hotel IT solutions. Yes. Uh, like we do on the airline side right. as well. Yep. Right. Those for airlines, airports. Yeah. Uh, and one of the largest chains uh, in the world has adopted that solution. And this is going to enable them to evolve their approach to merchandising and promoting and distributing their product. Others are in the space as well. And I think there's a common theme whoever's providing this solution to enable these standards and to have these standards in place. It is, it's, you're right, it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. If you look at the number of properties in the world and if you look at the realities of, you know, kind of chain, brand, right. property right. management, independence, <laughs> and the ability for data and information to go through a series of permutations until it's unrecognizable in front of the customer. 
It's so interesting. It's like, uh, it's it, the, the minute you start to really peel it back, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally get this. And then it's just like, oh, this is a mess. There's so much to do <laughs> in terms of getting it all on. I smell um, opportunity. That's yeah. what it is, right? Yeah. But it, that's why I think the, the startup environment in travel is such right. a rich and fertile ground because the complexity, the legacy systems create this opportunity for mm-hmm. – you know, better, faster, smarter. Yeah. And there's a lot of lot going on in the hospitality space, you know, in, in startups too. I think that's to, to to pile onto that a little bit, the larger hotel chains brands are actually I think there's a lot of opportunity for startups in the space to partner with some of the more well known, you know, chains and brands to do some things on site in property to help facilitate a whole bunch of stuff that just isn't traveler friendly at <laughs> hotels. I mean, yeah. from from check-in to all kinds of things, stuff that you need in the room. I had a really interesting experience. I was in Strasbourg a couple of weeks ago. I booked a hotel on Orbitz and two days before I checked in, I was already over in Europe doing a couple of things. They sent me, they started to send me messages saying, would you like this, that, or the other thing in your room from the tune of like a bottle of champagne to an ironing board to that was really interesting to me. I'd mm-hmm. never, I was a very, an independent hotel as well. And I thought that was a really interesting, I was so intrigued. I was like, yes, I want this, this, and this. It was all SMS? Or yeah. Was that? Oh, but but guess what? What happens when you go through that and then they mess it up? Because that's the, happened to me where they've said, would you prefer this or that in your arrival? And I was like, this is great. I responded yeah. and I got there. And a nothing. banana was on the bed or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Some nothing. random. I said, no, what's worse, what's worse than not having this happen yeah. is having it happen and then screwing it up. Right? That, <laughs> well, it worked out for me. But yeah, if I could have put that into my search to begin with, I suppose, right, right, right. then that, that would have... Uh, I would have felt more comfortable that it would have. Was That's my going new to default happen. thing. So. Was, what hotel is going to offer me a free diet coke waiting for me in the room when I get there? <laughs> well, I wanted the bottle of champagne, and that worked out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I. You know, it's interesting. Like you mentioned, we're, we're talking about startups and how they can bring something new to this yeah. to this environment. And you know, a lot of people who are outside the industry when they talk to to me about startups, they're like. I don't see how anybody could enter that market. Mm-hmm. It's so consolidated. It's, you know, if you're doing anything consumer focused or, or facing, then, you know, the, the brand equity is like really difficult. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have like the rises of, of people like Trip Actions or, you know, these other players who find these niches. Mm-hmm. Um, are there things that are really exciting to you right now within the product suites of Amadeus? Even that are our touch points. I mean, you said hospitality in, as a space, but is is there something that you'd really like to be seeing right now for the travel industry? Oh, I've got a good one. You raised a great example in trip actions, and yeah. I think what is so compelling and interesting right now is solving the B to B to E challenge around customer experience, business to business to enterprise. Employee. Employee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because. I've never heard that. Yeah. Why have I never heard that? Because the. Maybe I made it up. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think most people say yeah. B to B to C, but I do like B to B to E. So. Because. because it's truth. <laughs> because the B to E relationship like is yeah. diff- different than B to B to C. Yeah. The B to E drives complexity and drives, drives rigor and constraints hmm. that inhibit your ability to think about experience. But. Let's go back several years, 
those of us that are old enough to remember when cell phones first really came, let's talk like early 2001, 2002, mm -hmm. when every corporate device was a BlackBerry. Right. Right? And it was managed with enterprise software and doled out by the IT department. And the, although I loved my BlackBerry because I'm an IT guy, the marketplace wanted iPhone. Mm -hmm. So you had the constraints of corporate mm -hmm. rules and IT saying, nope, it's a BlackBerry because we can do all these things. And the experience was lacking compared to iPhone. And the employees went out and said, fine, I'll get my own iPhone. And I'll forget to charge a BlackBerry and I'll forget to take it with me because my life is the iPhone driven by experience. Mm -hmm. And in the corporate space, we're seeing similar challenges in travel. The experience on a consumer site is open right. and you see everything that could be possible. Sure, some things are prohibitively expensive, but at least you know, okay, I can't do that. In the corporate space where the opportunity is, is how do I create the experience on the consumer side in a way that the corporation will agree to and then the employee will appreciate? Yeah. And that is where someone like Trip Actions comes in and says, we're not in the OBT, we're not in the OTA, we're really focused on being a customer experience provider Interesting. around corporate travel. And so I think that's the opportunity, is, is find the ways to really drive experience in what is a difficult relationship, business to business to employee. So trip actions is your, is your example that would be probably like it's 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 that, one it's one example space. that most people probably heard of. Right. It's easy to go yeah. kind of touch and feel, see what they're uh -huh. doing if you're interested in what that's about and what their messaging is. Yeah. But there are, there are others doing things. It could be around duty of care. Yeah. Uh, it could be around hotel search and shopping and kind of how what you put into your negotiated program with suppliers to in, make sure it includes experiential elements and it's not. What is the lowest absolute price I can get, even though my employee is now going to be in pain? Yeah. Right. right? So it's optimization from a procurement perspective rather than cost minimization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a great space to be in right now, truthfully. Yeah. Anything experiential. So that's the, that's the key. That's what everyone's focusing on. Yeah. This happens to be, a, I think, a newer model in the last year and a half that's bubbled up. But seeing no matter what the space or the model, improving the experience for the supplier or the distributor and also the employee and or the general consuming public. It's mm -hmm. anything that is kind of embedded in that experience, not maybe and generally not standing as a brand on their own. You know, that, that, that to me, those are really kind of resonating with, uh, with us, with myself. I kind of dive in and ask a lot of questions and try to understand when I'm talking to a startup where where they want to go, where they want, what they want to be mm. when they grow up. And is that really a great idea or are you just thinking you're, you know, the the usual? Is mm. it a good idea? Did you experience something or are you creating a problem that really doesn't exist? But it's generally from the minute I leave my door to the minute I come home, everything in between. So yeah. whether it's attribute including attributes that are making something much more personal to me that I can feel more confident about or making my experience at the airport while I'm waiting around on a delay better or giving me opportunity to upgrade something or making it easier to go through security. All these types of things are 
someone's going to nail it. I mean, there's yeah. so many things out there piloting with people doing different things, but someone someone's going to going to nail it. In my mind, you know, travel's like a movie, right? Yeah. The movie itself is once you get where you're going. Mm-hmm. The 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 travel bit is the opening credits and the ending credits. Mm-hmm. So you're very limited in really how gr- how great you can make it, but mm-hmm. there are ways to make it great. Yeah. If you remember the opening credits of the first Star Wars, right, and the, we had this the the scrolling text dis- you know disappearing in the distance, or end credits that incorporate you know outtakes, etc. There are ways to make that part of the experience really good, mm-hmm. right? But to me, you always have to think about it's the movie itself that really counts. Interesting. And, and uh, yeah, like killing in the analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I'm like, wow. I'm thinking in my head, do I? Gosh, can I come up with a clever analogy? I can't. I'm very just matter of fact. <laughs> well, it's cool. I mean, you know, we've we've all seen. I think a lot of startups carry. You and I have yes. seen a yeah. fair share, uh, and we've definitely, you know, seen where people want to drive their companies. I'd be curious, you know, just we we talk with a lot of corporate innovation initiatives. Mm-hmm. You know, even at our last conference, the Travel Disruption Summit, we did uh, like the reverse pitch session, which yeah. you guys participated yeah. in. But the question I, w- I would have is how you can help onboard a startup to such a, a massive product suite like the Amadeus live travel space. And mm-hmm. as Amadeus is even bringing on more and more, how mm-hmm. can you help navigate them through that? Because I think we caught up on this like a year ago in yeah. terms of, you know, for the public, but I'm sure it's different. Now. Yeah. So, it, you know, initial engagement, we have a variety of ways that we, we do that. And it gets more... I'd say, intelligent all the time, the way we we vet startups. We have evolved our technology. We continue to grow. We continue to do things like Travel Space, Amadeus Travel Platform, and making it easier for startups to get to the technology and the solutions uh, more quickly. The programs that we have, they help, we help them navigate through Amadeus. There's, you know, we're large, we're global. There's a lot going on. I might not be able to, through Amadeus for Startups, help them immediately. We look for through other startup programs we have that help with partnerships, that help with funding. Is that like Explore? Yeah, Amadeus Explore is more of a helping a startup in a a certain place either internally prove their proof of concept with us in a business unit or match them with a customer where they could pilot or potentially if they're more mature, Hmm. actually grow, scale themselves and, and gain a better footprint. So there's that and then ventures is more strategic funding. But we also have a lot of other things going on. We have R and D and we have innovation groups and right. irrespective of if it's the airline business or the hospitality business or, or partnerships for specific for our customers, value added services. So sometimes a startup could fit right into that. They could fit into a partnership group and benefit a bunch of people. Other times they may need to work with R&D to, to just really understand what do they need. Do mm. they need our web services only? Do they need data solutions? What else can we provide them to help them solidify their, their business model and get going? So it's, a, it's kind of a lot of tentacles, but we're a conduit in to, to get to that. So mm. it's that softer part, that support part, that self-service, that kind of love we want to give them, but then actually find out where they need to be placed to get what they need technically and operationally and functionally. That's amazing that I've definitely seen a lot of startups, you know, work with an enterprise innovation program, Mm -hmm. but the the hard thing for them is when a stakeholder is able to divest enough time to be able to actually integrate it. And it seems like you guys have done an amazing job of kind of having this holistic view and working with different groups and stakeholders. Is there a a particular way that you can have um, that, 
that there's like measured divested amount of team time within Amadeus or something like that. Yeah. How does how, what's the expectation a startup should have in terms of if they're not directly on uh, the online group and something that you have like you know right in your back pocket? Yeah, we 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 ask for a couple of things up front. You know, we take them through as I said this kind of intelligent sort of a vetting process. A lot of it is some metrics too. I mean, we've learned a lot over the years. We right. built these in, and we have a we work with a lot. We we try to drive the metrics down to something that, you know, so we can prioritize who we speak to and and what makes sense to uh, engage with at that, that moment. We have ways to get the technology available very, very quickly so that they can, we call it our development sandbox. I think right, everybody probably does. Yep. And they get access to the technology straight away and, and sort of a caching test environment as well as the web services. And it's very easy to identify, are they, do they get that? They get what's there, and there's a whole. We have a whole set of subject matter experts that support them in that. So there's a lot of validation. Looking at our technology, does it match? Does this work, or do we need to get them somewhere else that makes more sense? Into the hospitality tech stack, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Into the marketplace there, perhaps. Yeah, the Into our Altea technology, you know, airline mm-hmm. technology stack, or maybe it is that experiential thing they can help do it in our airport operations practice. So, lots of different things, but. We take time. We probably we invest. I can sometimes invest four to six months trying to figure out where help them get what they need to keep moving forward, understand what they're trying to do, but find the right place for them to help them grow, to make them successful. Yeah. And we want that because their success is our success. I mean, we mm-hmm. we are we are putting these programs in place because we believe in the startup ecosystem, and it is a way to bring new innovation and disruption into the industry. And yep. we actually, we continually invest in art. We, we're global, we're large, but we're big innovators. And we also like to find startups that, well, they, they might be a great, let's put that group internally with that startup and let's see what happens. And, you know, we have uh, Amadeus for Developers, which is our portal. It's more, it, anybody can go out and get in there and kind of just play around with some of our newer APIs. You know, that's, that's something that can be done lickety split. And they they can go out there and then they really that's enticing to them and they've got it you know playing with fifteen twenty new APIs that we have then they can get then they'll come to me you know and then I'm like right. ah you like that now we know what else we can complement what you're trying to do and what we see what you've done there now let's bring you over into the program where yeah. you get all the other support components and you know anything else you might need. And or, like I said earlier, navigating you to the right group internally if that's where you really need to belong ultimately. Mm. It's, it's super impressive that you <laughs> – I told you this last year. <laughs> I tell you this every time I talk to you. Uh, <laughs> and and awesome. another great thing, you know, besides all of that, I think globalizing it and also seeing startups that are crossing over into different models. So this is where mm. Jay and I – have also started to work together. He spoke mm-hmm. about trip actions. That's a perfect example that falls more into the way you know we structure our commercial teams to handle more business business models, B two B to E, versus more B two B to C or B to C or travel tech, as I call it, which mm-hmm. is more. It's going to be working somewhere with someone to do something cool. You know, as a as a startup coming to this, there's a lot of you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And a sure. lot of the job is really to say you may think of this industry as a bit as a black box and it is. And if we kind of open the black box and show you all these different components and levers and pathways, then to Carrie's point, 
where do you should you really be looking closely at the inside the black box rather than just seeing the black box itself? Right. And that when you see the inner workings, that's when you can say, yeah. I can exploit that, I can leverage that, and that's going to then drive me forward. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Coming up, what are the things that we have to consider when when coming to market and working with a global distribution network like that? Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. I'd be curious, you know, we've talked about how startup onboarding looks, but of course the process for a startup's growth in terms of what markets they're surveying and and perhaps, you know, what product they're selling to which market, that's a whole different bag. I mean, how can a startup work with global distribution what are the regulations around that? Not just the global organizations, you know, out of like the three, what, 30,000 employees of Amadeus, it's not just navigating that, but, you know, in terms of their customer base, like what are the things that we have to consider when when coming to market and working with a global distribution network like that? Yeah, I, I, I think three things to be definitely considered are, yes, compliance, regulation, well, I think four, legal issues, and just operations in general, operationally, how do you scale across multiple markets? Right. Yep. Those four things resonate with me that I talk about a lot with startups. Um, yeah, because some startups, you know, they, they should start in one market to test things out. Yeah. Other ones, you know, the, the business model is, you know, distribute as quickly as possible, yeah. as quickly as possible. But if and I'm lo- going market to market, you know, is it uh, how can I still leverage this yeah. and, and what should I be thinking yeah. about? And yeah. it's it's really important. I tell you, these conversations lead to like deer in headlight looks a lot <laughs> because I'm I sure. think people do think travel is the same everywhere, s- same everywhere and, and fun and simple. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix traveler. It, it, it's yeah. a, a complicated industry. Uh, for these exact reasons, but well, and, it's and an the North America based on safety too, right? Sa- right. I mean, yes, that's a big component of. But that the, for sure. the North American mar- market, from a content perspective, is actually as complex as it is. It's quite simple globally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you get into other markets, the relationship between suppliers in the marketplace can be very, very different. There are different regulations and, and government mandates around what they can and can't do. And it can have a severe impact on a strategy that was built around U.S. law and, and supplier behavior and assuming that was going to go elsewhere. The, you know, it's obvious, right? There are cultural differences. What people value, you know, who you're targeting and how yeah, they see value. How you market to but them. just yeah. making sure that your technology provider can bring the content in in all these markets 
based on what the local market expects, right? Mm -hmm. Because the suppliers Mm -hmm. think about their channel strategy and their market strategies at a market-by-market level. So what you see when you're shopping from a point of presence in one market can be very, very different than what you would see with a point of presence elsewhere. So your tech provider better be able to give you the point of presence from a supplier perspective in the markets you want to grow in and not just treat the whole world as a U.S. point of presence. Yeah. Very, it's a very U.S.-centered type right. yeah, of mentality. But it's, 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 it's like we said before, right? It's very easy to make decisions yeah. for expediency and cost sake and then be in a position where you can't easily unwind decisions you've made. Yes. And it's it's – you hit – you hit on something very interesting there, talking about you know what the government's allowed to and the legalities around that, and there's a lot of that regulation around fulfilling ticketing and fulfilling and things like that. You know, rates and fares and taxes and fees and all these things that have to be displayed in certain ways yep. to a consumer, and so your your user experience, your UX, that needs to be perfect and compliant, and you, that's a really big thing that doesn't resonate a lot with newcomers. Why would they think about that? But to your point, Jay, about being, you know, having this, we're a global organization. We have, we're in what, 170, I was going to say 60, 70 countries. And the programs are global. So the thing is, you could be based in the United States, but you might want to fulfill a ticket in another country. We can, we can support that we can recommend partners there. We can help you navigate through some of this regulation, legality, compliance, government mandates, and also on the financial settlement and reconciliation side. There's ways that we we have some tools that can facilitate that or recommend payment gateways or what have you in the market. So those things, you really should make a roadmap for yourself, and we, we certainly can help do that. There's certain points to get implemented at certain points in your journey, hmm. and you just have to consider each one that you do before you start transacting and actually transacting for a customer in that market. Yeah, The points of sale where you're domiciled, registered as a, as a company, is very different to the points of origin you are doing business in. Correct. And that is, those are key things to think about. So interesting, like, you know, <laughs> especially around U.S. startups, uh, market validation is just like, you know, throw some, throw a landing page up, sell some stuff, see what happens. And I kind of almost preach that mantra. And the more I think about it, like going into a, another market, obviously, you know, where I just went to London and it was mm-hmm. a different scenario. You know, mm-hmm. we had to think about GDPR in a different way. And yeah. um, we're already, you know, complying across the U.S. with our policy. But um, just putting that in there. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, but the you know, the idea of these regulations kind of being a hindrance before you can even really test if you're supposed to be in that market seems like a challenge. So is there anything that you are able to help a startup validate through some of that? Is it, you know, I don't even know if there would be necessarily, but to see if there's an open area for somebody, is that a, a chance for you to also, through their growth, provide an expansion opportunity for yourself? As a company, maybe a new program for Amadeus to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we do have a international expansion initiative going uh, on. Go. I mean, and that is uh, driven by the need of our customers, driven by the fact that we are global, driven by the fact that there are no borders when it comes to travel enablers, travel resellers. I mean, you don't. There are no borders in the sense that you can go anywhere from anywhere, mm-hmm. right? And these 
startups or otherwise want to facilitate that. So we are trying to simplify the ability for them to roll out. Got it. And it, it has to be up to them, though. You know, if they're specializing in a certain type of travel, they may be targeting a certain type of a certain place. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm registered in the United States, but I want to do business in Myanmar. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Myanmar. Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. about Flyma. Yeah, <laughs> love that guy. But yeah, so that's really interesting. It's very niche in a market, and if we understand that, we can absolutely, through the processes we have, put that in place and put that in play and help them step through it. So there, there are ways that we do that. We have that. That is absolutely something we can do. But you need. They also need to know where they want to go, where they want to do business, and why. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked a lot about this technology, but I'll talk a bit about expertise. We get a lot of requests to help companies expand internationally. Yeah. yeah. And the technology is one piece, and sourcing the content all you know through the travel platform, but. A lot of it is telling them, what is it going to take to actually issue a ticket in France, in Germany, in Japan? What do you need to think about? Should you you start afresh? Should you acquire? Should you partner? What do you need to know about data privacy? What do you need to know about employment law? Because the rest of the world is not like the U.S. in many cases. So, And we have, because of our footprint globally, years ago when I wasn't even at Amadeus, I worked with Amadeus to establish an international operations academy to teach travel management companies at the time what they needed to know about standard operating practices in these international markets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, that same requirement exists today yeah. in, the, in, a, in, a, in a startup or a pure IT uh, community in the travel space. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting. And- Put the academy back in place. Remind me of the time that it, that it was it was cheaper to send somebody on a moped with a printed ticket than to implement the software to just automatically send that information. That's bonkers. Yeah, it's a, it's but it's real. That was real at the time. Mm-hmm. That's the reality yeah. of hey, you should understand how business works in these markets yeah. and why. Yeah. The one thing I would hope in a dream of mine, having done this for a couple of years with the startups. These regulatory and compliance entities that are out there, I think, I, I know like IATA has a start, you know, an innovation initiative, and there's, they're starting to look at some of the needs of startups in the industry and, and kind of the pain that they have to go through. And even aligning themselves with IATA or Airline Reporting Corporation or IATA BSP, mm-hmm. it's, it's complex. There's loads of training. There's costs involved. These can be prohibitive to a startup. And we have alternatives to help them to start generating revenue, to hopefully get that pool of money, to be independent and work with the, you know, spend the money they need to to be certified by ARC. But I think there could be a switch in mindset, perhaps. I'd love to see that. That's why I say a hope and a dream that there is a little bit softer side at some point in the future to really support the startup ecosystem in that way, in a more friendly way, more affordable way, perhaps. Uh, just some same, thinking on my my part. <laughs> on that on that note, sometimes we like to do personal questions on this. So I'd be curious, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. <laughs> uh, some would say I am grown up. Yes, I am grown up. I've been in the industry a long time. But, you know, I do think about what I want to do next. And honestly, I want to keep giving back. I have really enjoyed learning about the startup ecosystem, being part of it for the last three to four years, 
learning things peripherally that I never would have, uh, you know, from just by doing what I had traditionally done within the organization. Now I understand a lot more about, you know, what is institutional investing? What do VCs do? What do you look at? Why the things that we do now? I learned, and I've really enjoyed that. I, I want to keep giving back to startups and and in some capacity. And you know, if it's not in the things I'm doing now, it's it's something I want to continue to do and do more intimately, ongoing. So when I grow up, I want to be more entrenched in in helping them understand the industry, get what they need, and succeed. Awesome. I like it. Radical. How about you, Jay? What do you want to be when you grow up? It's an interesting question. I think what's driven me for a long time is using technology to solve problems, be they business problems or societal problems, whatever the case may be. I actually started, I was a chemistry major in college, and I ended up, but I first began programming in the late 70s just because of parents being in, into that game. Chemistry. I never would yeah. have guessed that. The chemistry that. of travel. And so, <laughs> so, you know, when you create a molecule in a novel way that has, you know, hum, it's more efficient because uh, it's faster or you get greater percentage of certain chirality that is actually active for what you're trying to achieve. You know, it's, it's a good, good feeling. And as I moved into IT after that and I started thinking about solving problems, I think when I grow up, I'd like to kind of get back into that space of here's the problem. What are some ways of connecting the dots that would be a better way to solve the problem or solve it for the very first time? You That's need to have it your own startup. Correct. I should get my own startup. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> no, but so, so that, I think yeah. that, I, I mean, I, th I think aspirational, I'd like to solve some, you know, societal problems that really challenge us. Yeah. It's, it's hard, right? And will I ever be grown up enough to tackle that? Don't know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both for coming on the show and, and hanging out with me. <laughs> thank you, John. It was a lot of fun. So if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to contact you or the work you're doing at Amadeus? For me, it's LinkedIn. You'll find me on LinkedIn, Jay Richmond. You see who I'm connected to. You reach out to me, and uh, I'll give you my um, direct information if you're worthy. <laughs> you're, all, you're all worthy. Don't worry. And same thing, LinkedIn. But also you can Google Amadeus for startups, and there you can go on to that site, and the form that you fill out there comes directly to me. Awesome. So as a final thought to share, if there was one thing that you'd like to summarize what we've talked about today in a headline, what would that headline read? Startups need somewhere to go to to help them achieve what they're trying to do. And they need the assets to do that and someone to listen. And that's what I like about what I do. We deliver the fundamentals so that you can focus on differentiation. Subtext That's of really that. Good. Subtext of that is can don't, I start over? Don't invest. <laughs> don't invest in the things that we do really well mm. and at scale. So very cheaply, focus on the things that are going to drive multiples of value and revenue to your company. And that's differentiation. We do that for you. We can yep. help do that for you. That's what we do. So. Amazing. Thank you both for being on the show today. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, all right. it's been fun. Thank you all for listening. I'm John Matson and Bon Voyage. This has been Travel is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. 
Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at travelisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.